Good morning. My name is uh, Matt Johnson, and I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer, and I'm so uh, happy to be able to be here to share God's Word with you, and just glad to see you guys uh, here this morning. I uh, hope you all had a great Christmas, uh, and a great time just celebrating uh, the first Advent of our Lord with your families. Uh, but uh, as Christmas and holidays come around, we have these expectations, and you know, Probably some of those expectations probably were not met over these holiday season over this holiday season. Uh, maybe they weren't fulfilled yet, or maybe they're not going to be fulfilled at all. Except maybe the expectations we all had for Star Wars. Yeah. And don't worry, don't leave. No spoilers. That's all I'm going to say about Star Wars. So don't don't worry about that. But if we look back over this past year, it's probably safe to say that many of us had expectations that weren't met throughout the year too or they were delayed and you're not really sure when they're going to happen or if they're going to happen at all Uh, just kind of to share a little bit kind of a personal story with these expectations as many of you know uh, Kate and I became uh, foster parents this year with the expectations of adopting a child at some point now going into this we knew it could be messy we knew it could be hard there was a little bit of us that was like maybe Maybe it will be easy. Maybe, maybe it won't be so bad. Uh, maybe that first child that's placed in our home will be our forever child. But as soon as that was thought in our minds, it was destined to not be fulfilled. And honestly, that's a good thing. It's a very good thing that those expectations were not met. Because through these struggles and sleepless nights through over the past year, our family's grown Our marriage has grown, and our kids have been just amazing sisters to multiple children in our home. And this has been great. But most of all, we've had opportunity to love not just one child, but many children in our home. And we have this expectation, this this prayer we can pray to God, and this trusting expectation that he's got better plans for those children, that he's going to do better things than we could ever offer them. And that's where I want to go today, is kind of talking about this trusting expectation we can have in the Lord and in his promises to us. And I want to do that by looking at the expectations surrounding the birth of Jesus. And so here's where we're going today. We're going to look at the expectations of Zechariah and Elizabeth, the expectations of Mary and Joseph, and the expectations of Simeon, the expectations of God, and expectations of Christians. So our text today is in Luke 2. And 25 through 38. And it's on page 857 in these Bibles on your row. And if you guys could just please stand and, uh, and read the Word of God with me, it would be great. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, 25 through 38. <clears throat> now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was with, upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own so also, so that, all, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, praise with me. Father, we just uh, thank you for this morning. We thank you for time to, Lord, just to look at your word. Lord, I pray that you uh, soften hearts, Holy Spirit, uh, today as we uh, look at uh, just this trusting expectations that you will fulfill what you said you would do. Lord, we just thank you that you did that through Jesus for us. And Lord, as we just focus on that, Lord, just to guide our time here together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. First, we must kind of realize that during this time for the, for the Israelite people, it wasn't easy. Things weren't great. They were under Roman rule. Uh, they weren't really happy about that. They were kind of like, we want our nation back, and we kind of want you guys to leave. So in that, they kind of had this, they had an expectation of, of a prophecy that was made, you know, hundreds of years before. But some people remembered that, and, but many people had forgotten that prophecy. Now, most of the Jewish people were, they were very devoted to their nation and their religion, more kind of than this moral, like, got to follow the rules to be, to be good and right. But their time was occupied with, you know, having a job, working, and taking care of their family, not God. But there were some, though, that were generally devoted to God, and we're going to see those as we kind of work through uh, the Christmas story again. Uh, but we've got to start out kind of 15 months before Jesus was born, with Zechariah and Elizabeth. We get this uh, miraculous conception of the birth of John the Baptist uh, and this fulfilled but very delayed expectation of Zechariah and Elizabeth. So they got married. They probably were like, oh, we're going to have kids. We're going to probably have a family. Uh, Zechariah's like, my name's going to continue, and uh, the priestly line will continue. But Elizabeth was barren. She didn't. She didn't have. She couldn't have kids. And now they're advanced. Really, they're really old. So they're they're not in childbearing ages anymore. And one day, Zechariah goes into the temple sanctuary, and an angel appears to him, and says, "Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. Your prayers with your Elizabeth and your prayers have been heard by God, and you're going to have a child." This shows their devotion. Even though they were probably old, they were still praying for this because they knew God would fulfill something through them. You know, he would, he would answer their prayers. The angel said their son would be great before the Lord, that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they would turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and that he was to prepare them for the Lord. So, Zechariah and Elizabeth now have this, like, a clear expectations of what they're to expect from their son. 
and that their son would be the one that pointed people to Christ. Now, once his son was born, we see this trusting expectation that Zechariah had in God and that it was fulfilled. There was a promise fulfilled. Zechariah promised in Luke 1.68, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Zechariah says God has visited and redeemed. Not he will visit and will redeem. Zechariah said it's already done. He's already come. Now remember, Jesus, he hasn't been born yet. Just his birth has been foretold. But Zechariah has this idea of this already but not yet uh, aspect. This God made a promise, which means it's good as kept, but it's not complete yet. They've been waiting. It's here, but not completely. Moving on, we need to look at the expectations of Mary and Joseph. There's two instances where angels uh, kind of appear to Mary and Joseph. First, in Luke 1, we see Mary was told her favor with God and that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her and that she would conceive a son. Talk about a 180 and the expectations she had. Remember, she was engaged to Joseph to be married, but now she's pregnant. Not by Joseph. This isn't going to look good for her. But Mary trusted God. So what were these expectations she was given by the angel Gabriel? He said, Her son will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. He'll be given the throne of David. He would reign forever, and that his kingdom would have no end. I know about you, those are some pretty big expectations. How did she respond to that? In Luke one thirty-eight, we see she's, what she said. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Again, we see this idea of a trusting expectation. Mary believed that God would do what he said he would do. Now, what about Joseph? In Matthew 1, we, can, we read that he's a just and a, and a man who's very devoted to God. Now, I would guess, as many of you uh, that maybe got recently married or when you were getting married as the husband, you're like, man, I've got some expectations. This is going to be great. You know, my, I'm going to have a family. My, my name's going to continue. I hope to have a son. Uh, maybe he's going to keep the carpentry business going. But Mary's pregnant now. Those expectations seem pretty much impossible. Now, given he was a just man, we also read that he looked to separate from her quietly, both to maintain his personal, personal righteousness, but he also had this desire to show compassion to Mary, to show her grace, because he knew if she was found out, she would be stoned. But as he's considered that, an angel visited him and gave him a clearer picture of what God was doing, how God was coming into the world. So what were the expectations that Joseph had? That his son would save his people from their sins and that his name would be Jesus. He's given Jesus' name right there. So fast forward a little bit to the shepherds. There's a few more expectations that are given to Mary and Joseph here. In Luke 2, they visit Mary and Joseph and they share what the angels have told them. They said this new baby was good news of great joy for all the people and that he is the Savior who is the Christ, who is Christ the Lord. Now something to note here in verse 10. 
is how the angel said, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, it doesn't say all, it doesn't say all the people. It says for all the people. So the word here in the Greek is referring to this people group. So a people that is set aside, kind of a nation. So we could interpret this as, you know, good news for great joy who will be for all of Israel. Or if we move down to verse 14, do I have it up there? I don't. Uh, It says, it could say, uh, sorry, I lost my place there. (laughs) Glory to God in the highest and on peace on earth with those whom he is pleased. So, uh, great news for those for whom he is pleased. So which one is it? Is it the nation of Israel? Is it those who are pleased? I say it's both. Uh, We see in verse 18, the people kind of wondered about what the shepherd said. Because if it's not just the nation, the Jewish nation, who else is going to be saved? You've got to remember the Jewish people, they didn't, want to, they didn't really have anything to do with the Gentiles or anybody outside of their nation. So this was, they were kind of talking about this, wondering. Mary and Joseph pondered this as well. Now we're going to move into the text we read earlier. I know that was a big introduction, but I wanted us to see all the expectations kind of that was given about Jesus, like all these great things. So like earlier in Luke, we see another set of old people that are kind of like, these people are advanced in years, but they've been devoted to God. So at this point, Jesus has been born. He's been circumcised. And now it's time for him to be taken to the temple. So in the law, it says 40 days after your firstborn son uh, is born, he must take, be taken to the temple to be dedicated. And this is kind of where we're, where we're at. So first we see that Simeon's trusting expectation in the Lord. Simeon, he's been waiting for the consolation of Israel or the comfort of Israel all his life. The Holy Spirit said, You're, you won't die until you see the Christ. Think about his anticipation. He's been waiting all his life. He's really old now. He's still waiting. We don't know any more details except that he was devoted and righteous. Then one day the Holy Spirit led him into the temple. Now it wasn't into the temple kind of in a back room. It was kind of into the temple court. Uh, think about the gym over here. So before the gathering, we're gathered, we're, we're getting coffee. There's a lot of people in there. And you're walking in with your month and a half year old baby. This is how old Jesus was at this point. Walk in, and you see this older gentleman, kind of like Dave Ball, walking toward... <laughs> oh, sorry, Dave. And he just grabs your kid out of your arms. What are you thinking? This guy's crazy. I don't feel good about this. N- nothing, no, not against you, Dave Ball. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. We don't think you're crazy. But, like, so what, what do you think Mary and Joseph are thinking in this? Like all these expectations, and this guy just comes over, grabs the baby. They're like, oh, what's going on? But they trusted God. And then we hear what Simeon said to him, said about him. He said, He's the consolation of Israel. He's here. And he says, well, I can die now. This is great. God's salvation's come. And that Jesus would be a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory. For Israel, we see more amazing things for Mary and Joseph's son. In verse 33, we see they marveled at what he had been said about him. If we look now back at verse 10, we see this connection with verse 32. 
that the good news of great joy is for those whom God is pleased from Israel and the Gentiles. Not to be shocking for Mary and Joseph. Now, they had a little bit of idea. Chris kind of touched on that, I believe it was last week, that they had this idea that this salvation is not just for the Jewish people. But what about the other people that were in the, let's just say the gym when that happened? Like, they're like, wait a minute. We heard about this birth in Bethlehem, but now, through God, God is telling Simeon that it's not just for our nation, but it's also for the Gentiles. This has got to be a hard thing for them to hear. For us, this is great news of great joy. That just as it was for the shepherds and anyone else who would listen when Jesus was born. This is the gospel. This is what we're talking about. This is what the shepherds were talking about. This is what the whole story is about, is the gospel. There's a blog uh, at Desiring God that I saw uh, yesterday. And this is what it says about the gospel. It says, It is so scandalous that no first century Jew would have dreamed it. It's so wonderful that no human would have composed it. Why is this good news for us? Well, we first need to look at the bad news. We're talking about expectations today, and God has expectations for us. We've all failed to meet those expectations required of us. Now, you may ask, what are those expectations? I kind of would like to know what they are, so maybe I can do them. So in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, we have a summary of what those expectations are. Jesus says this. He says, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. None of us have met these expectations. In the garden, Adam and Eve failed to meet these expectations. And when expectations aren't met, there's always a debt to be paid. What is the debt to be paid when we don't follow, or we don't live up to God's expectations? It's death. Separation from God for eternity. But here comes the good news. God knew we would never fulfill his expectations. My failures... And your failures, they're not a surprise to him. He had a remedy planned before creation, and that remedy is Jesus. All of our failures to meet, uh, all of our failures that we didn't meet fell on Jesus. Jesus became our failures. Jesus became our sin. Jesus faced our death, and Jesus was separated from the Father. Why? Because he loved us, and that's all. How might you, you might ask, well, how did he do that? Well, he lived up to God's expectations as a man being tempted and tried just as you and I are every day. He died on the cross for our, punish, for our punishment. Then in his, resur- in his resurrection, he passes us the perfect fulfillment of God's expectations to us believers rest in christ's fulfillment of god's expectations for you those who do not believe see that this free gift is offered to you that your ability to work and try hard and be good will never meet god's expectations but that the work is completely finished in jesus work on the cross your redemption has been paid 
See the good news of Jesus is the greatest news known to man. Think about it this way. Your boss gives you some expectations. Expectations that only he has the skills to fulfill. And you think, well, if I try hard enough, if I do this and I follow all these, all the requirements to the T, I can, I can fulfill this. I can do it. Maybe for a time you're like, I got this. I've almost got them all complete. And you're like, let me go back and look one more time at those, at those requirements given to me. And you see that you've failed completely. And in that failure, your boss steps in and completes it all for you right then and there. This is what Jesus has done for us. He's fulfilled God's expectations for us. Now moving on, we see kind of a shocking blessing that Simeon gives to Mary. It's shocking because of what has been leading up to this. All these great things have been told to her. First, Jesus says, or first Simeon says that Jesus is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Now this is, isn't too different from what we saw in Mary's song back in Luke 1, where she says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away. He's taken the low and he's lifted them up, and he's taken the high and he's lowered them down. But Simeon said, and for a sign that is opposed. Now stepping away from the text a little bit, we can kind of say, think about Simeon saying, Mary, just so you know, your son, he's not going to be liked. He's going to be rejected. People are want to kill him. Talk about something that's hard to hear. After 10 months of hearing, he's going to be great. He's going to be the savior. He's going to do these things. He's going to save his people. Here she is holding her month and a half year old baby, month and a half year, month and a half old baby in her arms. And not only is he going to be rejected, but her soul will be pierced. Now quickly note, it says in the text there, it doesn't say Mary and Joseph. It says Mary, your soul will be pierced. Now, I believe this, uh, and some of the commentaries talk about this, Joseph probably didn't live to see what Jesus' life was going to be like when he was older. He must have died somewhere in there. But he's still here to hear this. He's still here to hear that his wife's soul is going to be pierced. His son's going to be rejected. So you've got to think there's some conflict in his heart. Like, this hurts. And then there's the expectations. On one hand, their son was to be the savior of his people the awaited comfort for Israel. But people were going to reject him, even kill him. It was going to be messy and dirty. No doubt there was some anxiety with these new expectations they've heard about their son. And just and to add to that, so if we stop at verse 38 and go straight to 39, we see that they, it says that they return to, Gal- to Galilee, to Nazareth, sorry, uh, But we need to look at something that happened in between those verses. And we must go back to Matthew 2 uh, and read about the wise men. So remember the wise men came. They saw the star. They're like, we're going to go worship this king that's come. And first they go to Herod. And they say, Herod, we've heard about this new king that's been born. We want to go and worship him. And Herod pulls them aside and secretly and says, you know, I want to know who he is too. It's like, why don't you go find him? 
and then come back and tell me. Now, it wasn't that he wanted to worship him. Herod was opposed to this new king. He didn't like the idea of this. So we see that this opposition that Simeon talked about wasn't something that was going to happen when Jesus started his earthly ministry. It's something that's going to happen right now when Jesus is a month and a half year old, month and a half old. The wise men were warned, though, in a dream that they needed to depart a different way. Don't go tell Herod. Joseph also was warned in a dream that, hey, you need to take Mary and the baby and, and flee to Egypt. And why do they do this? Because Herod then went and killed all the boys two and under, kind of in and around Bethlehem. Talk about opposition. One of the commentaries on that section of the text it kind of refers to these children as the first martyrs of the faith. I'd have to agree with that. <clears throat> we also, as Christians, need to look at this. as We will be opposed and we'll suffer as well. Your life, the life we've been called to, it's not clean and put together. It's kind of messy. Yes, the news of salvation is great and it's something that we must rest in, but it's not going to be easy. Just as Mary and Joseph faced uh, many trials early on, kind of in, in this time uh, of this great news they were hearing, they faced persecution. They faced rejection. Faced rejection. This is what we face. Jesus was to be opposed, which means we are to be, we will be rejected. You will be persecuted. There will be hurt. There will be pain. And there's no doubt that some of us in this room are hurting right now. There, for some Christians in the world, there will be, and there is blood shed because they're Christians. But take heart, for our king has conquered the enemy. You can rejoice in your sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Hope is what we see in the final verses. It's, it's me. It's hope. Sorry. Anna was a woman devoted to prayer and fasting. No doubt she was a woman who had suffered, but she was committed to the service of the Lord. She had been a widow for 84 years. She didn't have any children, but she was committed to serving God. Day and night she was in the temple praising God and waiting for the redemption of Israel. And now at this very hour, when Jesus comes in, that expectation, that trusting expectation she had in God's promise has been fulfilled. And that last verse, I can only imagine her like my wife when she's up here doing her announcements. You know, the more energy she gets because there's a lot of people in here, she gets excited. I can think of this little old lady just running around. Hey, the king is here. The savior has come. She's telling everybody about it. This is the expectation Christians must have. Hope in the fact that God will fulfill his plans in ways we would never expect. That when we have a trusting expectation in God's word, we can endure the pain and the suffering of this world. I want to close with Psalm 13 and have you all read this, the last two underlined verses with me. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? 
How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Church, trust in Jesus' steadfast love. Rejoice in his salvation. See that he has dealt bountifully with you and set your expectations on the hope that God will fulfill all of his promises in his way and in his time. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this time. Lord, just to to look at your word and see that you are so good and that you will fulfill your promises. Lord, that, that is the hope that we need today, that I need today. Lord, you are so good and you love us so well. Lord, as we just uh, uh, move into more time of worship, as we just take your, uh, your supper, Lord, we just pray that we reflect on what you've done for us and that you offer this gift freely to those who would believe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.